0: Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. But I want to talk to you about the power of covenant. Uh, and I, I think marriage, as we understand, is a sacred covenant. It's holy. The word holy means set apart. There's a sense of reverence when a man and woman get married and join together. And the scripture teaches us in Corinthians that marriage is a symbol of Christ and his church. He is the bridegroom and we are the bride and we are engaged to Jesus. And one day we're going to be invited to the wedding feast and, uh, and we're going to be married to Christ. And marriage is a time to celebrate two people coming into covenant. To understand what covenant is, it's a written agreement or a promise, uh, usually under seal of two or more parties, especially uh, in performing an action, and so we understand what covenant is, and the picture we have is marriage. And I don't know about you, but the atmosphere of most weddings, when you go to a wedding, there's an atmosphere, if I was to describe it, it's an atmosphere of adoration. There's an atmosphere of affection. Uh, there's agreement and, and there's a sense of awe and there's a, an expectation of good things coming from the bride and groom. There's, there's an expectation of things moving forward in relationship and and even those who are struggling in their marriage when they're at a wedding uh, there's a romance there's a spark that's kindled and sometimes you go back and it's a good night for a couple amen Special time, and and there's a special atmosphere, uh, and and there's just because there's something in us that is drawn to covenant. There's something in us that's joined uh, that is drawn to partnership with others. And I had um, a very strange dream on Friday night, and I want to share that dream with you. What I feel it means, and in my dream, I was preaching outside, and I was preaching a five-minute message, and there might have been twenty or. And they were standing in front of me, and there was a hill behind them, so I couldn't see beyond the hill, but this little group of people were here, and I was sharing the scripture. I remember preaching for about five minutes, and then I was finished, and I was about to turn around, and this young couple stood in front of me with, with the rings. And they were roughly in their 30s, and they stood there and said, Well, when are we gonna do our vows? And in that moment, I realized I'm actually doing a wedding. And, and my whole my whole demeanor changed, and I, I got serious, and because there's something awesome about covenant, and so I was standing in front of them, and what happened was uh, uh, they began to rush me. They said, Pastor, just hurry up, get it over with. And I was like trying to explain what the ring meant, the, the, what covenant means, and how precious marriage is, and I was trying to take them through the vows. And and he looked at me and he said, Pastor, we've been waiting a long time. And they were talking one with another they weren't listening to what i was trying to explain about the beauty of this marriage and even the couple were distracted and looking around and there was no there was no reverence for the moment and when i finished i said you may now kiss the bride and they're like whatever and they walked over the hill and i thought what's going on saw that people that were at the wedding were suddenly having a meal how many know you have a nice meal at a wedding right you know you got roast beef you got chicken you got salmon you have good food classy food because it's a time of celebration and I went over the hill and here's some plastic ugly foldable tables like we have here some just cheap tables and, and on the table is ordered pizza pizza right so we got pizza pizza And we had some Pizza Hut, for those people who don't like pizza, pizza. sitting on the table, and people were coming over, and they'd grab a slice, and they'd go sit in their car. And nobody was communicating. There was no fellowship. There was nothing. And it was just the atmosphere of this wedding was was not the atmosphere of adoration and affection and awe. It was not... atmosphere of romance. It was not the atmosphere of expectation of good things. In fact, the atmosphere at this wedding was boring. It was rushed. It was depressing. It was stale. It was uninspiring. And so I woke up from the dream and there's two things I knew. Number one, I knew that uh the one thing I knew was there were they were a Christian couple. I knew that, I knew they were Christian, and I knew that they wanted to do it because it was the right thing to do, but they did not recognize, this is what I want you to, I want you to get this, they did not recognize the value of the moment that they were in. They did not recognize what they were part of, and they were just trying to rush through it because it was the right thing to do, alright? And, and this could be a picture of the church that does not recognize the value of the that God has put before us. And as I woke up from this dream, the Lord brought me to this, this, this uh, verse in the Bible, Matthew chapter 22, verse 1 to 10. This parable of the weapons. Everyone good? Here we go. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables, that he said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. So there's a king... Arranging his marriage for his son, and he sent out servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. And again, he sent out other servants, saying, "Tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. I have steak. I have fat and barbecue. I mean, I've got some good food. Everything is ready. We're not having pizza. We're having the best. I've prepared a feast. I'm inviting you." says everything is ready come to the wedding and I want you to get this verse 5 but they made light of it and they went their way one to his farm another to his business and what does this mean to make light of something to make light of something is to act as if something is not special or serious especially if it is and so they were making light of an invitation to a covenant To a powerful moment. And they were saying, You know, it's more important that I go to my farm, it's more important that I do my business. I got other things that are more important than the invitation. Okay? Let's go to verse 6. And the rest seized his servant, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burnt up the city. And then he said to his servants, The wedding is those who were invited were not worthy. I want you to see this, if people make light of God's invitation, they're not worthy. Why, you say, well, they did not recognize the value of the invitation. And some people reject the invitation because they think that, you know what, the atmosphere is boring, it's stale, it's uninspiring. It's religion. They think, I I don't want to go to church. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that because it's, it's, there's nothing to value there. But I'm going to tell you that there's something to value in our relationship with God. Can I hear an amen? So look what he says. He says here to his servants, the king, therefore go into the highways and as many as you find. Invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and he gathered together all those they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. Now we understand this parable as a prophetic picture of Israel's rejection of Jesus. We understand there was the destruction of Jerusalem in 1870. And there was also an invitation of redemption that was extended to the Gentiles. So there's a prophetic picture there. But the point I'm trying to bring out here is the importance uh, it is that they made light of the invitation. They didn't realize how important the moment was, like in my dream. And in Luke, we see a similar passage, which I'm going to read. Luke chapter 14, verse 15 to 24. Now, when, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat the bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. Say many. So God is inviting many. And he sent his servant at supper time to ask those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. And here's verse 18, very important. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said, I bought a piece of ground, I must go and see it, I ask that you have me excused. The other said, I've bought five yoke oxen, I'm going to test them, I I ask uh, you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master, and the master of the house, being angry, said to his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor. The main, the lame, the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you have commanded. And there's still lots of room. The master said to the servant, go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. Because I want my house to be filled. See, God God wants to fill his house. God wants people to come. That's the heart of God. And he says here in verse 24, For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall ever taste of my supper. I'm here to say that there's an invitation that's gone out for those to come into covenant relationship with God. And we're living in a generation where the church, in many ways, and I'm not speaking at the cross, I'm just saying in general, as God's people, it's so easy to fall into this, this, this where we don't recognize the power of the covenant that God has called us to People who make excuses have not understood how awesome covenant with God is. Prioritizing spiritual invitation over other things is very important. It's okay to have, to, to have a great business or to go after a spouse or to, you know, have things in this world. As long as we prioritize the invitation... ascended into heaven, the disciples returned to the upper room, and I want you to get this. They spent roughly 10 days in prayer. 10 days! Why? Because they were those who recognized the promise. They recognized that this was an atmosphere that God wanted them to have. It was an atmosphere of adoration, affection, agreement. There was awesomeness in that atmosphere. There was an expectation of good things. They realized that they were in partnership with the King of Kings. And they were going to go out and do good and destroy the works of the devil. They were going to cast out devils, heal the sick, take care of people, lead people to the love of God. And there was an expectation to sit at the table and receive the Holy Spirit. And it was such an expectation that it drove them to spend ten days. praying. How do you know we need to have an expectation? there was an expectation of covenant with God. The last thing Jesus said before he went, he said, listen, I want you to wait in Jerusalem because I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And he's going to partner with you. And there's a covenant relationship. He's going to teach you the things that I want you. I'm going to, he's going to speak what I'm saying. He, he is your advocate. He's your helper. He's your comforter. He's, he's the one who's going to bring miracles. season right now where God is saying, I want to wake up the young generation. I want to wake up all believers to recognize that this is not about religion. This is about a covenant relationship with God. And there's food at the table, there's health, there's healing, there's deliverance, there's joy, there's peace, there's kindness, there's goodness, there's mercy, and it's all for his people. God wants us to come. Up. Can I hear an amen? And so here's here's the result. And we're all familiar with this. this verse, Acts chapter 2 verse 1 to 4 after praying for 10 days. Say 10 days. It's funny that I had this dream the other day and I prepared this message last night and my wife woke up this morning and she looked at me. She goes do you want to go on a 10 day fast with me? I said you know that they prayed for 10 days in the upper room? She said I didn't know that. We have to be hungry because when we seek God we need to know that there's a reward coming. There's something that's a good thing. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, there were all with one accord and awe, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled, with so the Holy Spirit began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Three thousand souls were added to the church in one day because the Spirit's power fell on that 120 people who were desperate for God's Feast. Here's something to understand that uh, Pentecost was an annual Jewish festival, and is. It's also known as the Feast of Weeks, or Days of the Firstfruits. The celebration of the first buds of the harvest, and Jewish men were required by law to go to Jerusalem three times a year to celebrate three major feasts, and the first one is the Passover in the spring, Pentecost is uh, seven weeks and a day later, and then the third one is the Tabernacle in the fall, the Feast of Tabernacles, and those who became Christians on Pentecost were, I want you to get this, they were the first fruits of a harvest of millions of souls, and I don't know about you, but the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And an apple looks like an apple, amen? And I want the church, I want us to look like the first church. I want to look like the fruit that was produced on that day. Miracles, signs, and wonders because of the goodness of our God. I want you to take this away here today. God wants you, here's the two points to take away. God wants you in the right atmosphere. He wants you in the atmosphere of adoration and affection wants you to be awed by him. He wants you to have an expectation of good things. All right? And uh, God wants you to recognize the value of this invitation that's been sent out. Don't make light of the invitation. Say, Pastor, how do I, I recognize if I'm making light of it? Here's the key. You catch yourself making excuses. Well, you know, I really don't have time to go to church and I don't want to go to that drive-in, or if you watch online, you know, I, you know, I really don't have time to watch this sermon. I'm, you know what, I've got to follow this YouTuber today, or, I, you know, i got to do this or this, and I just don't have time for that devotion. You know, Lord, I'll pray tomorrow, and we push it off, and we make excuses, and if you find yourself making excuses, what's happened is you've moved away from understanding the value of being a person. Can I hear you, man? Is this okay? All right. You know, there's so much value in covenant. I remember when I met my wife, and I've never understood guys who they meet a girl, they love the girl, and they wait two or three years to put a ring on her finger. I when I met my wife, within the first week. In fact, I met her and I found out she liked me. And it's a long story. Camilla would tell it better, but I remember her telling her, "I want to take it slow. Let's just be friends." And the next day I showed up with a bouquet of flowers. I said, forget that. And within a few, it wasn't long, it was a very short period of time, a few months, I had a ring on her finger Because I said, there's a good thing in her face. I, said, I, can't, I think she's available because she's valuable to me. I said, a ring on because I knew, you know, like my, my, my girlfriend, right? She was my girlfriend. She was going to another city for a concert. I couldn't go because I had to work. Look and say there's a ring on this girl, She's she's taken finger because she's still available until you do. Amen. And so I I, want to close with saying this, a quick story about understanding blood covenant. And we realize here something in 1869, a New York Herald newspaper sent their overseas news correspondent Henry Stanley to find a Scottish missionary and explorer David Livingstone who had gone missing in Africa. So Doctor Livingstone had disappeared for six years, and so Stanley said, "I'm going to go prove that he's not dead." In 1871, Stanley found Livingstone, here's the story: during his expedition, Stanley came in contact. When his interpreter suggested that he make a covenant with the tribal chiefman, Stanley did so, which required days of negotiation with the chief. And after the terms of the covenant were reached, an an exchange of gifts ensued. So when you have a covenant, there's an exchange of gifts. That's why when you get married, you give a ring, right? That's an exchange of gifts. She belongs to me, he belongs to her, and there's that. People see it, right? And at, uh, so, so they had to exchange gifts. The chief wanted Stanley's goat and nothing less. But see, Stanley had stomach ulcers. And if he didn't have the milk from the goat, he would be in a lot of pain. So he struggled. He said, I don't want to give you my goat. Sounds like most of our lives, right? We don't want to give you our... But the chief said, nothing else will do. I want the goat. So Stanley gave the chief the goat. And the goat... No. The chief said, Here's my seven-foot spear with a copper wrap on it, and you can have this. And so he thought, What is good is this spear? But what happened was uh uh we're gonna read about that in just a second. Next, the tribal priest brought forth a cup of wine. The old chief selected one of his sons, a prince, and required Stanley to select an Englishman. Both became substitutes for the covenant makers. And representatives of the parties, the priests made an incision in each man's wrist and they let their uh, blood drip into the wine and the cup was stirred and they each drank from the mixture of blood and wine. Then the priest pronounced terrible curses over Stanley and then Stanley's interpreter pronounced curses over the chief men if they broke the covenant. Okay. Finally, the two men rubbed their cut wrists together along with gunpowder to mingle their blood and become blood brothers. And the gunpowder remained as a visible mark of their covenant. Listen, Jesus has a visible mark of nail prints in his resurrected body to say, I'm in covenant with these people. And I want you to see this. This act not only bound Stanley and the chiefmen together, it included the tribal warriors with the company of Englishmen. The blood brothers became permanent. And a tree was planted as a memorial of the covenant. And after the covenant ceremony, the chieftain declared to his people, come by and sell with Stanley, for he is our blood brother. And from then on, Stanley and the men no longer guarded the possessions. Nothing was touched. Nothing was steel, stolen from each group. And to break this covenant and to steal from one another would come with penalty of death everywhere stanley went in africa the spear proved to be more powerful than the goat the copper wound spear carried the old chief's authority and everyone everywhere he went when he came with this staff they would bow down and they would give him whatever he wanted he walked into a village and say they would bow down and say, what can we do we recognize the authority of the chief that you got that spear from and we are honoring you he would say can i have a herd of goats And he'd get whatever he wanted. That's how powerful covenant is. And no one was ever known for three generations to break the covenant that was made between these two men. Now there's three reasons for covenant. Number one, a weaker tribe enters into a covenant with a stronger tribe to keep it from being destroyed. Listen, we need Jesus to save us from the destroyer. We need Jesus to save us from sin. Amen? He is the stronger one, and he's here to keep us from the destroyer. Number two, a business partnership between two men to ensure neither will take advantage of the other. Listen, we are committed to a life of faith with Christ because we can trust a man who lays down his life for his friends. Number three, Two people devote themselves to each other and their families because of a strong affection for each other as long-life friends. And Jesus said this, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. And in closing, I want to say this. Let's remember to value the invitation to intimacy with God through Jesus. You say, Pastor, what invitation? Well, the invitation to prayer. The invitation to... Talking to God, having a relationship with God. The invitation to bring your sin and your struggles and lay it at the foot of the cross. An invitation to partake of the love of God that is unconditional for you. There's so much to partake of and it is good. There's nothing stale. There's nothing boring. It's not like the dream. It's exciting. How many of you have been to a wedding? And you go in and it's like a holy moment because you see that there's two people making a commitment. This is where God wants us to live in 2021, as a people sitting at a table and feasting on the goodness of God. Can I hear any more? Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.